Hello and welcome to Race the Bottom, episode 7. I'm your host, Johan. Last week in the House of Commons saw members of Parliament debate Lewis FC's open letter regarding pay equality in the FA Cup. And so I wanted to revisit the manifesto of the club and, and really get a feel of how this club came about. And thankfully, I was able to speak to one of the directors of Lewis FC, Charlie Dobre, who gave me time and insight about the workings and the origin of the club that I think will be really valuable to be shared. Hope you enjoy. Well, first and foremost, Charlie, thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed for my podcast, Race to the Bottom. It's a real pleasure to speak to someone who's involved in a club that is really exciting. My first question from the opener is how did Lewis FC come about to be the community-owned club that, that I've read about? Because it seems to be quite a unique experience. Yeah, it did. I mean, um, what happened was uh, back in, it was in, in July 2010, after about nine months of sort of, I say negotiations, but discussions between the existing owners, there was a group of six of us who got together because the club itself was in significant financial trouble. This had become known in the public domain and the club was not very long away from a winding up order in the High Court because of unpaid uh, tax bills, so pretty standard stuff really. Uh, not through any, you know, the owners were like perfectly good, good people, but it's just these things happened some debts had accumulated uh, etc and they couldn't be paid so me and five other guys got together and over this period of nine months discussed with the people who owned the football club at that time and the management committee who were keeping it all going and, and in particular i think the person that really inspired us was a guy called steve ibbotson or ibbo who was stepped off from being youth team manager being first team manager but also maintenance business manager commercial he was doing everything extraordinarily putting his own money just to keep it going so we got involved and after a long process we agreed with the existing private owners that we'd basically try to buy the club for a pound but crucially we were absolutely clear we were not going to put the club into you know receivership or whatever and then restart it because that way you kind of you screw existing local business people so we didn't so we bought the club for a pound and we agreed with the current owners to split the debt 50 50 and we raised money to pay that off and they paid off the rest of it so we restarted the club or the club continued from july 2010 as a 100% community not-for-profit mutual so it reconstituted as a, a community benefit society a cbs which is a not-for-profit organization and we kind of the, the club continued the club carried on playing football it was there was no interruption of service but behind the scenes it was it getting a new constitution a new approach and that all came about the same 2010 and then the rest has been uh, a very interesting journey since then. It certainly has been an interesting journey. The thing that has really piqued my interest, Charlie, is the stance that the club have taken as sports activism is growing in the football world. Your approach to equality is still unique. I haven't seen other clubs yeah, take take a lead off you. Can I ask where that came from, that decision to go I, I down think, that road? Well, it came from- it came from a combination of the fact that, you know, if you look at the, and, and all these things, like everything in our club is available on, on the website, if you look at our kind of constitution, you know, the, the, the cornerstone of it is, the, you know, there's a clue in the name, a community benefit society, is to do things as a football club that are overall for the benefit of our community. Now, you know, playing football and winning games is, is great, and that's for the community, but we kind of interpreted that to be much kind of broader, and I suppose, you know, a social mission as well as a sporting and football mission. So I, I think that that was very much implanted there already. When we did the community takeover in 2010, there was already in existence a, a women's football team called Lewis Ladies at that point. But I think at that point, we were only, to, to my memory, intermittently playing on the main pitch and were 
do not fund him. We were still in the days then where the majority of women in most clubs at that level were like paying to play, certainly not getting paid. And I think that struck us from day one, but I think we had an awful lot of stuff to do. And I think that really that it grew from that point. And I guess I don't really know quite know what the catalyst is. I suppose I suppose when I think about it, there was a we have annual elections on the board, so when you stand, you know, we're all volunteers on the board, we are owners, as everybody is, we have a single share, which means you can stand for the board. And when you stand for the board, elections are every October, you stand for three years if you win it. And there was an election in the October of, I'm trying to think it would be 2016, I suppose, 2016, where I needed to restand, actually the fellow director, Ed Ramsden, the two of us were two of the existing the last existing remaining ones from the original takeover. And I think we'd approached a football club always from a very kind of small p political uh, kind of point of view. And I think that was probably the catalyst. So Ed had a conversation one day and said, look, this is what I'm going to write in my election address. We had a chat about it. So he wrote this fantastic election address and I mirrored stuff in my election address, which was about this opportunity. And it was seen as an opportunity really to kind of really carry on our mission as a community benefit society football club, trying to do football in a, in a different way. You know, mm. there's a lot of stuff about football that people are very pissed off about in the, in the modern world and understandably so and i think that kind of just kind of coalesced into that opportunity to then put that in our respective manifestos at that time uh, very much led by ed I would, I would say we sort of said look we're standing for re-election but we are standing with this as part of our manifesto that we intend if we get re-elected to kind of work with the board and soon we get majority on the board to bring in equal pay so equal playing budgets for women because by that point already bear in mind we already had by that stage we already had brought the women's team fully merged into the main football club the women were playing all their matches on the main pitch of the dripping pan that happened for some years playing all the training at the main training game. everything except that was in place so it was almost a you know a bit more of an evolution than a revolution in terms of that happened. that was the timing of it and then we both got we both got uh, voted in thank goodness and then discussions at the board and that then came about that we yeah, there was a clear view this is what we should do uh, yeah not without a lot of discussion because there's a lot of things to think about and then we talked about it, we had to put various things in place. And then on July, again, uh, we're like a July anniversary, July 2017 pre-season, we introduced the Equality FC, the Equal Playing Budget. So I think it was very much a, a natural culmination, or culmination so far, it's not a strange thing to say, in terms, of our, in terms of our journey to do this. And I think that's been important because I think people can look at what we have done and be completely convinced because it's the case that it's, it's authentic, that we mean it. It wasn't just some interesting PR stunt and we're also going to keep doing it as well. And I think that's what people have seen. I, I hope that what people see in what we do is a lot of passion and sincerity. It's not to say we get everything right because we certainly don't, but we like to be quite public about our mistakes. But we kind of think this is the, this is a thing that we will push through. Has there been any take up or adoption of your principles, your kind of manifesto, Charlie, from other clubs? Because I almost see what oh, you're doing yeah. as, a, as a, a kind of movement opportunity. No, you're absolutely right. It's kind of create a pioneer and creating a movement at a grand term, really. And clearly what's happened so far is that if no other club has yet come up and said, we are going to equalise the playing budgets. But interesting, and I, and, I, you know, and I don't know how much effect we've had, but I do I do think we've had some effect on this. I look around and I see that Mary, uh, you know, announced that they are going to, the women's team now can start playing in their main stadium. I see that Aston Villa ladies the other week played one of their first matches ever at Villa Park. It's, it's not what they normally play, but they have done. We're seeing movement in terms of where women are playing. It's still very small. Still, the majority of women's teams do not play at the main men's stadium, which we believe is an incorrect thing. But we see some movement, movement in that. Um, and I think, you know, we see an awful lot of support around social media and the print media, broadcast media for what we are doing. 
doing. I think maybe other clubs are monitoring something. Maybe they want to wait and see the effect that it has. I mean, but we would say already that, I don't know if it's exclusive for your programme, we haven't been that public on it yet, but already when we look at our attendances at women's games, for example, since we brought this move in, we can see that our average attendance is so far this season, with three games to go, when we have the Man United games, it may go down a little bit, but our average attendance for women now is 677. I mean, still like really small, but actually one of the biggest average attendances that there is in the league that we're in. Better than a number of clubs in the league above, but the, the really interesting thing about that is that that has more than doubled since we introduced equal playing budgets. Wow. Uh, and we feel it's had an effect. We've seen an increase in ownerships, which is important to us as well. We've had a significant increase in, I would say, interest in sponsorships. Not many come to fruition yet. Some have, but I think watch this space. So, And we've had an awful lot more media coverage. And I think I would put those things as key gains because we always talked about Equality FC as being a thing we needed to do because there are certain tectonic plates in football, in, in women's football. And there's things that kind of, you know, need to shift and people, some people sort of say, look, when these things shift, then we can put more money into the game. Then this can happen. Then he could plus playing budgets. But our view was we need to do something to shift these tectonic plates. And the tectonic plates are, in no particular order, attendances, media coverage and sponsorship and therefore by dint of those quality of football as well. So we thought, well, you know, we'll do what we can to do, A, do the right thing and B, improve quality of, of football and show we mean it. And we have seen the increase in attendances, big one, a big increase in media coverage and significant increase in sponsorship. So we feel almost just as a microcosm proof of concept, it's working. And I think it's only just begun working. And I think that there are many clubs that won't make the move until they see that it's actually clearly inexorably economically working so we'll see but it's and i understand and it's fine because ours came very much out of it, an area of kind of a philosophical of political belief social belief that mm. you know it's wrong that women should not be treated exactly the same as footballers as men but at the same time it's very very much about a very clear business decision and investment decision as well what we're seeing is that the investment decision is absolutely paying off in attendances and starting to pay off in terms of sponsorships, which is now getting to a very interesting place. So maybe when people see that how our investment has actually brought uh, increased economic benefit, they'll then follow suit. You are listening to Great 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 I truly hope it does, and I feel it will. I do as well. <laughs> yeah, it's moving that way. Charlie, with regards to the massive challenge that you guys decided to plonk in front of yourself three or four weeks ago, with regards to your open letter to the FA regarding equal right. prize money, having spoken to you now with Equality FC, it seems like a natural progression that this Absolutely. is something that you would want to challenge. Again, where was that idea kind of born out of? Well, I think, as you can see, it's a natural progression, isn't it? It's a natural mm. progression because you look, you look, start to look around all areas of the women's game and go, which one of these seem reasonable and which ones of these seem unreasonable? And as you can imagine, you're not really lost for an awful lot of things which seem unreasonable because basically almost everything is unreasonable in the women's game. But we've been very clear. Some, some of the reporting about our stance about pick up prize money has sort of said we've been calling on it to be equalised. And actually, we haven't asked for it to be immediately equalised. What we've actually said is that we believe that there is, to quote the letter that we wrote to the FA board, was we're looking for a radical increase and frankly it wouldn't be hard to do because your listeners may or may not be aware that the women's FA Cup prize fund is less than one percent of the men's entire prize fund so the men's prize fund is over 30 million pounds it got doubled this season 
and with nothing for the women's, at a £30.25 million pounds, and the women's prize fund is £250,000. Every round, every club, all of it, essentially. And also, as we pointed out in the letter, that the FA, who are very clear in this letter, do an awful lot of good work already in grassroots and the women's football. Mm. For example, they improved the men's having got prize money by giving money to losers in the first two qualifying preliminary rounds of the men's FA Cup, which was, you know, it's, it's, it, that's nice for them. These are very small clubs that tiny tendencies but the accidental thing that happened was that then creates a situation we have now whereby the losing teams in the qualifying rounds of the men's FA Cup get more than the women's teams who win in the qualifying mm. rounds of the FA Cup now this is clearly this is crazy Bill uh, completely unintended completely unintended consequence but this is crazy Bill so our position on the women's FA Cup is that the price fund has to increase dramatically but not just because it's kind of a give us more money, but because we've just realised that what a fantastic mechanism we have right under our noses to inject quite a substantial extra amount of money directly to the clubs. And this is very, very important because what we know is, because we made the move up to the FA Women's Championship this season, and I can tell you, it's that in order to do that, the amount of extra money you need over and above the grants of the FA give you, which are great, it's about an extra £100,000. Now, I can tell you that the majority of clubs in the north and south sections of the leagues who can be promoted to the championship will more than struggle to find that. I hope they'll find a way that's a lot of money for mm. clubs at that level. So this is an example whereby if you actually, through the FA Cup, injected money into those clubs in that way, you open up a much greater possibility for clubs to not just be promoted, but actually stay in business once they are promoted as well. So we, again, we see it as an entirely reasonable ask to significantly increase the women's prize fund because that is a mechanism to massively improve the women's game in this country, to give it even bigger profile, even greater investment, which doesn't mean you're waiting for a TV deal or waiting for sponsorship or waiting for something to happen. So it was interesting that the FA board responded via the statement to the BBC. And in that statement, they noted that the men's FA Cup makes them, I think, £212 million of revenue every year, which is phenomenal. It's an incredibly successful cup tournament. But when we looked at that, we thought, oh, OK, that's interesting. So £250,000 goes to the women's game. If you're going to give extras to the women's game by the FA Cup, it's not as if the money isn't there. So we mm. don't have to wait. Our frustration is, look, oh my goodness, it turns out we don't have to wait. We can now use the women's FA Cup as a mechanism to really improve the women's game. And that's our point. How did it feel to have your club yeah. debated in Parliament? Yeah, that was a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was quite unexpected because it's funny, it's probably a consequence of us losing to Millwall Lionesses. And maybe that's why the local MP, I mean, Millwall play in, in Darfur C, but maybe it's why that local MP felt in a good mood to kind of, because Millwall just won, to kind of bring it up in Parliament. So maybe because we lost to Millwall, the question came up and it was great that Vicky uh, Bosworth mentioned it. And equally pleasing that the Prime Minister more than noted it. She noted how a number of MPs are already aware of this. I know because we made them aware of it. And that the FA board might want to think about it. So I think that was really, really great. And already what we had planned, what we've announced just recently, is that we're going to set up a very small working group from people inside women's football, and we're in contact with some people already, to actually come up with a proposal for an amount of money and a way in which to spread it across rounds and so forth. And we'll come up with a proposal, and we'll then, of course, request a meeting with the FA board to then go through it. Because, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we note how the, the women's section of the FA are just tremendous, very dynamic, 
uh, really constantly trying to help us. Couldn't have been better through our application to be in the championship. But at the end of the day, it's the FA board that hold the purse strings, and they are the ones that we wanted to really demonstrate, which we think we've done in an entirely reasonable manner, about the opportunity that's sitting right there in front of us. So that's what our plans are for. Amazing. What is next for Lewis FC? Obviously, what you talked about with your collaborative group working together to propose a solution for the FA Cup. Are there any other ventures that Lewis FC are looking to do? To be honest, of course, our focus is at least equally on the pitch. And there's an awful lot of things that we're starting to do now, which we hope will bear fruition on the pitch. And again, really importantly, equally for our men's teams and our women's teams. Our men's team are doing great. They're in the Bostic Premier, Step 7. They are, we've just fallen out of the playoffs because we've missed a couple of games, but we are, win our games in hand, we're in the playoffs, which would potentially set us up for two promotions in a row since we introduced equal pay. So I'm not saying equal pay caused it, but I think to allay the fears of many male fans, it did no harm. Hmm. So our men's team are doing brilliantly, and a huge shout out to uh, Darren and Ross and Cardio and the management team team there, doing wonders on, on a modest budget for that league. So our ambition there is to get our men's team promoted into the National League South, absolutely. And our ambitions for the women's team, in terms of our exciting plans, will be to absolutely next season look to get the women's team promoted into the Super League. We, uh, we've recruited an, an amazing new manager there, Fran Alonso, who's come out of both the men's and women's game. He's brought with him an entire huge entourage of fantastic uh, coaches as well. And we're already seeing the style of play he's got them playing, despite losses so far. But the style of play is noticeably, it's just noticeably different. It's very exciting. Things move in great directions. So really, you know, we're really happy to be like a campaigning football club and do what we can for the women's game. And honestly, for football, generally, if we can, do whatever we can as a small club. But, you know, we're a football club. And the thing that, you know, really drives us is success on the pitch. And that's what we're pushing for. And, and there's really promising signs in both the men's and the women's teams as well. So, yeah, watch, watch this space. It's exciting days for Lewis FC, that's for sure. Well, Charlie Dobre, director of Lewis FC, thank you very much for giving me the time. I think it would be wonderful if, in a short period of time, there were more clubs out there like Lewis FC. Let's hope that that happens in the long run. For the time being, lend your support by following Lewis FC, by following Equality FC. Hope you enjoyed the interview. If you'd like to get in touch, I am at RTTB Podcast or at Geno's Left Foot on Twitter. Uh, I have my Facebook account, Race to the Bottom Podcast. Please like or subscribe wherever you listen and please spread the word. Many thanks. See you again soon.